right, we are back for another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. I am Ben Standing. Yes, I cover the Washington football team for the Athletic. I also dabble in the Wizards here and there. So I'm going to talk about both of those teams today because I've got guests involving both of those teams. They are uh, Washington football team rookie running back Antonio Gibson had a chance to catch up with him today. It is Super Bowl week, of course, and if we if there was a radio row uh, in Tampa, if, if, if the world was normal, uh, it's a type of event where uh, companies would send players down there to, to talk to whomever. Um, they're doing that in virtual form these days, and I had a chance to talk to Antonio Gibson today on behalf of uh, Panini America Trading Cards. So uh, caught up with him. I'll, I'll play that interview for you guys in a few minutes. And then for you Wizards uh, people out there, I had a long chat uh, last week with uh, old friend Marcin Gortat. He and I talked a day or so after the John Wall Bradley Beal matchup. We talked about uh, what it was like seeing his former teammates going head to head, how he views the current situation, got into some reminiscing about the old days and and uh, a lot of fun talking to Marcin Gortat. So I'll play both of those for you in just a few minutes here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Always appreciate you guys checking things out. Um, hope everyone is doing well. It is freezing in DC these days. Not a fan, <laughs> not a fan. It's, it's uh, you know, the snow, whatever, at least it wasn't that much. I can deal with a few inches here and there, but you know, I got to get out of the house. It's hard enough with this whole pandemic situation. Can't really do anything. Uh, and uh, I, f- I feel like my vitamin D levels are dropping by the minute and uh, I need to get out and it's cold. It's not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm a little cranky today. Uh, I was a little cranky yesterday as well. If you heard the podcast I did with Matt Paris, where we broke down uh, kind of the Matt Stafford scenario of it all. And, and uh, I, I'm going to get to a few sort of newsy items of the day, both for the for the football team and the Wizards here in just a second um, on the podcast. But just a couple quick reminders. Uh, you, of course, can find my written work on The Athletic. Uh, you know, I don't push The Athletic as much probably as I should here. But look, obviously, greatly appreciate everybody who checks out uh, there. You know, I, I, I get it for some people. Uh, subscribing to a uh, to a sports site is uh, a sports news site is not your move, but you know all I can say is you know one we appreciate everybody who who does it. Um, two, you know at a very basic level, I know like now we don't have ads, no videos, things like that that pop up. And whenever I go on websites now that do have commercials that, that pop up and it's loud, it is a jarring to me because I'm on a on a all day long on a website that doesn't have that. Honestly, that alone, if you're paying a little bit for that, honestly, I think it's kind of worth it. But even beyond that, the the level of uh, the writing staff across the board, I'm not just talking about us here in D.C., but just throughout the, the company, it's really just off the charts. So, you know, if you haven't had a chance to look at it, I, I would say, you know, take a look. You can do like a seven-day trial. If you go, I have a new article out, um, an NFL mock draft. Uh, well, let me actually let me rephrase that. A Washington football team seven-round mock draft. Um, you can check that out. We also got into some of the Stafford stuff. You can do that for a seven-day free trial. And I'm pretty sure when you click on, click on the article, it, there is a discount there. It, it, it kind of varies. Sometimes it's 40%. I, I can't promise exactly what it is. But in any event, there's typically something there. So hopefully you guys can check that out. Beyond that, you want to hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standick. You want to uh, email me your thoughts, uh, at theathletic.com. And, of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, 
uh, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Let's get to the Washington football team. So uh, obviously, you know, the Matthew Stafford thing, we're going to kind of put that in our rear view for a bit. Uh, but just a couple quick things there that I, I want to sort of catch up on that I don't necessarily know that I did yesterday. So in the late in the podcast I did it with Matt Paris, uh, came the, some some reporting from Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated about Washington's uh, offer, and I was I, I was able to confirm that Washington did offer a first and a third round pick for Stafford. And you know it's interesting because that was exactly what I was asking NFL executives the day we heard that Stafford would be made available. Hey, a first and a third. Are you willing to do that? Is it is it fair? Is it not fair? What do you think? And, uh, you know, the few executives I talked to, um, you know, it's a mixed bag, just like you would expect for all these things. But there were some definitely some who were not sure that that was a fair a fair amount. That, um, you know, while Matthew Stafford's obviously a good player, I don't think anybody's questioning that. The question is, how good is he? How much closer to the top of the, of the heap does he push you? I, I saw Dan Orlovsky said that the Rams are now just favorites, I believe, for the Super Bowl next year. Um at this moment based on that trade. And like, that's the type of thing to me that seems like a bit overstated. Now they have a very good defense, obviously. I think Washington fans know that based on what we saw in week five this season with Aaron Donald just destroying um, Washington that week. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. Stafford, there's a lot of questions, you know, as good as he is. And I think he, he clearly has the highest floor of any of the quarterbacks who are currently available, not counting the Deshaun Watson situation. And that floor is important, but if you're trading for God to put you over the top, it's the ceiling that matters the most. And, you know, zero playoff wins, one Pro Bowl. Obviously, the Lions have had a history of disaster. So it's not like suggesting that anything is necessarily Matthew Stafford's fault. But if we're talking about quarterback, an overweighted position of importance that, you know, at some point, to kind of make a move, right? If you're if you're one of these elite guys, you have enough. And I, like I said, I think there was enough pushback to suggest that that's not a universal opinion that he has that. And I think also when you look at the reports of the of the of the price uh, of of the offers were being that were being made. Now Washington was one of the more aggressive teams with the first and a third. Um, uh, Albert Breer reported that Carolina was including their first round pick, which was, while Washington is nineteenth. Their first pick, I believe, is the eighth pick. I apologize. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a top 10 pick. And they were going to add an additional pick. Now, I'm going to guess that additional pick was not as high as a third. Uh, Breer reported that he, from what his gathering is, that Carolina was the runner-up for, for Stafford. Take that for what it's worth. Which, by the way, would have been interesting, right? Because if he gets, if Stafford goes to Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater already feels like they may be out on him based on the fact that, you know, they just went for Stafford. And obviously, who signed Stav- who signed Bridgewater last year? Uh, Marty Herney. So could have been interesting. Maybe he became uh, fell out of favor with him. But you know, regardless, they they just signed him, and you could probably get him on the relative cheap um, this time. In any event, um, you know, so while Washington and Carolina made some aggressive moves, and there were other teams that were um, trying, you know, not not every team who needs a quarterback went you know, went hard for Stafford. And, you know, I think we all kind of agree that trading a first round pick to give you some, give you some confidence that the most important position, if you're a team that, you know, it feels like you're maybe a quarterback away, 
you know, it, it seems like a reasonable move. The Indianapolis Colts are an obvious team. Um, you know, my sense was that the Colts were not going to panic over this. And uh, I think it was Albert Breer reported that they did not offer a first-round pick. So, you know, that, that kind of jives with my sense of, of them. And, you know, uh, it's just interesting. I mean, I guess my point is that from a Washington perspective, Matthew Stafford was obviously a massive upgrade over what's going on. And the reality is that without having gotten him, it's a big question. What do you do now? I believe I stated my case yesterday on the podcast, which also, by the way, if you missed it, I also talked to Fran Duffy, a, 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 a really smart NFL draft guy. We went in, in great depth about all the positions uh, in this 2021 class. Um, and I stated a, a, an opinion that James Winston is somebody that I think is interesting to me of the likely other names. And again, there's, we don't quite know what the field will look like, but, you know, to some degree, you know, uh, James Winston, Cam Newton, Mitch Trubisky, possibly one or both of the Raiders quarterbacks, meaning Marcus Mariota or Derek Carr, uh, Andy Dalton. Um, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to assume Dak Prescott gets out of Dallas. That obviously would be a, a whole different story if he did. Um, so, all, you know, all those guys are, you know, arguably all better than what Washington currently has, meaning Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, and uh, Taylor Heineke. I, you know, um, uh, two of those guys are free agents, but you know what I mean. Uh, but that much better? Eh, I don't know. That that's the that's the point that Stafford would have given you a significant upgrade, but at the same time, to trade away assets is not not easy, especially for a lot of you know not all GMs are, are that in. Clearly, the Rams have no qualms about it. They are all in. One thing about the Rams, uh, somebody pointed out to me was that clearly their ownership is not worried about the money. That money is not a, not a problem. Um, they're, 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 they're burning through cash, dead, dead cap, you know, all, all that stuff they've had, you know, what, what last year, Brandon Cooks was a $21 million dead cap this year. Jared Goff is 22 million. Um, their ownership who, you know, the, the Cronkies, you know, uh, I don't know where they rank among the richest people in the country, but you know, they, they own several teams. They own the team over overseas in the, in the EPL, I believe. So they've got some cash and clearly they're not afraid to spend it and, uh, you know, bully for them. Uh, the Rams are clearly going at this a very different way than a lot of other teams. So in any event, um, you know, Washington is back to the drawing board. And, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how we go here. I still believe that because of how Ron Rivera and Scott Turner view Kyle Allen and, you know, maybe to a lesser extent Taylor Heineke, that they feel that they have something if everything falls apart. I, I do wonder... Do they view Stafford as this time of year's Amari, this year's Amari Cooper, the best available option so they make an aggressive play to get him, but not necessarily an indication that they think that they don't have, that, that they have to go crazy regardless. It is quarterback. Um, I, you know, last year they didn't go spend after not getting Cooper. You know, I, I just, I just hard for me to believe that they feel confident with Alex Smith with considering just, you know, his obvious you know, limitations with that leg. Uh, so I would imagine they go get somebody else one way or the other, but at the same time, um, you know, they may, you know, we'll see if they play out the market, if they're, if they're aggressive, I don't know how much anything is going to happen between now and the, and the start of free agency. Now, uh, obviously if, you know, the Jets start putting Sam Darnold out there, you know, as a trade, uh, as a trade ship uh, and, and that's somebody they're interested in, then, you know, maybe you can make that move, uh, you know, whenever, but uh, if you're talking, you know, free agency, we still got a ways, to go um in some other washington news 
uh, defensive back coach Chris Harris is interviewing with the Green Bay Packers for Green Bay's defensive coordinator position. Um, ESPN first put out there, I was able to confirm that. And um, this is Harris's second interview during this cycle for a defensive coordinator position. He interviewed with Philadelphia before they um, added uh, one of the coaches from the Colts, which is where the, their head coach is from or came from. And it's interesting that Harris is getting uh, is getting this, this this look. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was, you know, pretty down the depth. You know, he, he hasn't been a, a defensive back coach for terribly long. But you know, if you really, we talk so much about Washington's defensive line, right, for obvious reasons. But man, the defensive backfield was really impressive this year, especially you know you consider they lost Landon Collins after six games. You know, Kendall Fuller didn't play the first couple. I mean, obviously the Cam Curl situation is off the charts crazy, right? The fact that this guy in the seventh round not only contributed, but did more than that. You know, it's really a, a pretty impressive uh, young talent, uh, you know, that they were able to, um, you know, the cornerback, you know, look, Ronald Darby had a pretty solid year. You know, Fuller and Darby, I, I don't think we're saying that's the best cornerback tandem in the league. And Jimmy Moreland's totally fine. But, like, you know, none of that, I mean, we're not, we're not talking – uh, Lester Hayes and Mark and uh, Mike Haynes uh, from back in the day. For those of you who, uh, <laughs> I probably picked a bad a bad reference there for all you uh, people who remember the, the 1983 uh, Washington uh, Redskins season. But in any event, you know we're not talking about like the most dynamic of corners, and yet you know they more than they more than held up. And um, so I guess I, I I would imagine that's why Harris is getting some interest from around the league. So well, interesting to see there at this point Washington has not. Um, lost any of their coaching staff. We didn't really have any anticipation that they would. Uh, Ron Rivera did, said said as much, and uh, so as long as Harris stays, we would imagine that they that they keep everybody. But um, you know, interesting to see that w- w- what happens there. At a, at a minimum, you know, it's good good sign for for what he did for his own recognition, and uh, you know, to some degree, a good sign for, for Rivera's coaching staff. By the I mean, interesting, Harris is one of the few guys who wasn't from the Carolina. Uh, uh, tree that he came elsewhere. He and Rivera had connections earlier in their careers, but not uh, not from the recent Carolina situation. In any event, we'll have plenty more Washington football team to discuss. Um, before we get to the interviews, let me just get into some wizard stuff. I'll this will be sort of my my my, my sports center, I guess. Um, on the wizard front, um, Bradley Beal trades obviously are going to continue to be interesting. By the way, that the uh, the Brooklyn Nets game. From last night, what an off-the-charts fun game that was uh, to, to watch the Wizards win, but um, with that crazy six points in in uh, in the final seconds uh, to to take to, to for after trailing by five uh, with less than you know ten seconds to go or fifteen seconds to go, whatever it was an amazing um, amazing fun turnaround there. I, I'm not all automatically going here they go. It's great that Russell Westbrook though looked like much more like the real Russell Westbrook that we know. You've heard me say before, if, if the, the biggest concern I have is not whether they make the playoffs or anything, is Russell Westbrook uh, a, a ruined asset for the next you know two and a half years that he's under contract? So that would be absolutely miserable. As long as he's playing at a decent level, then Washington can have some options, both in terms of what to do with Bradley Beal and really how to, how to, how to consider this team overall. As long as Russell Westbrook looks like, I mean, not, you know, he's not going to score 40 points every night regardless, but as long as he's looking like that type of player with the energy uh, that, that we expect and, and, and the playmaking and so on, then, you know, Washington has a, can have a decent product for sure. Um, if he was looking like the guy we saw for most of the season where he clearly was not healthy, 
that's a whole other problem. In any event, as far as the Bradley Beal stuff goes, you know, obviously the trade rumors are just going to be out there forever. I'm mentioning it specifically because I saw on the podcast this week, Brad, um, uh, Bill Simmons um, did an entire segment about Bradley Beal trade ideas, and um, that's going to be expected. The jump the other day opened up the show with 22 minutes of just Wizards and Beal talk. It's it's one of the big topics of the league. The most interesting players in this league right now are some in some form of LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, Steph Curry. I don't know, maybe Joel Embiid and Bradley Beal, despite playing on on the worst team in the Eastern Conference, because you know he's the guy this year that every other team in the league is saying, how do we get this guy? You know, a bad team. What can we offer? Um, Simmons went through a bunch of the different uh, scenario, trade scenarios. Personally, I wouldn't trade Bradley Beal. Now I would wait till the offseason. I just think you have a much, much better chance in the offseason to get a, a, a grander package than you do now. In season, teams are kind of limited to what they can do. You can't trade away all your depth because you can't easily replace it. Um, so, you know, not 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 so easy. The one package, though, to me that is the most interesting involves Golden State. I've talked about this before. Don't know about on this podcast, but just with anybody who listens to me. <laughs> uh you know, James Wiseman, the number two pick in this year's draft, has set the seven-foot center out of Memphis. Also, Golden State owns the Minnesota Timberwolves' uh, top three protected first-round pick next year in what is it considered to be a pretty loaded draft. You know, if you start there, they probably have to take on some money. And I, I saw, I think Simmons was saying Kelly Oubre's expiring contract could come back in a, in a hypothetical deal, which would be, you know, funny. I'm sure fans would overreact and think this is good that Oubre is back, even though Uber's shooting has been just miserable, and his basketball IQ has never been stupendous, as you guys have heard me say on various various forms. In any event, that doesn't matter. The Wiseman and the Timberwolves pick is, is to me would be interesting. I'm not excited to necessarily trade Bradley Beal for all kinds of reasons. I think he's been a great player for the Wizards. It, it would be, I think, it's such a terrible sign that this guy, as the number three pick in 2012, has done so much right for them that they would be almost forced to trade him because of just, you know, how things have gone so south the last three or four years. In any event, it may be an, an inevitability at some point. I just personally would wait. So even though the, the whole um, conversation is not going to end anytime soon, I would personally wait. But if Golden State calls up and says, all right, let's go. Wiseman and the the the, the T-Wolves pick, the, whatever money, you know, uh, some, some expiring contract to make it work. And then, you know, you can kind of, go from there if there's other picks involved or maybe the Wizards have to send back Robert Lopez or I don't know, whatever the whatever the things are that, that get involved at that point. I, I think to me that would be that would be interesting. Um, let's stay with the Wizards for another topic. Uh, for those of you who are longtime uh, listeners of mine or readers of mine, you may recall that back in 2019, I was uh, reporting that there was interest from the Wizards with regards to Toronto Raptors executive Masai Ujiri. Now, of course, in 2019 was the year that the Raptors ended up winning the NBA Finals. Uh, but going back earlier that year, back in April, when the Wizards had fired Ernie Grunfeld and were looking to, to figure out what who else they were going to, to to consider, they, they interviewed uh, Nuggets GM Tim Connolly. They interviewed Danny Ferry. They interviewed Troy Weaver, who at that point was the assistant GM with the Thunder. And ended up this year being the, the, the Pistons GM. And I reported at the time that there was interest in Masai Ujiri. And Definitely got laughed at. <laughs> Definitely got laughed at. There's no way. And it did seem like a long shot for sure. But there were reasons at the time for me that I was told that it, that it made sense among them that Masai Ujiri um, had bigger interest than, than sort of just basketball. Um, 
he does a lot of uh, work uh, uh, back in his native uh, native Africa with regards to basketball and is helping the country and that being in a bigger city like Washington, D.C. or New York would be a better platform. Um, I had multiple sources confirm this, including some, you know, I would say close to the situation, as the kids like to say. And then later in June, took the reports to another level with regards to that Washington was was in, was looking to talk to Masai about not just sort of being the GM of the team in the conventional sense, but really having a bigger stake, maybe even as far as having some ownership involvement, uh, compensation, possibly get, reaching eight figures, and so on. Now, if you remember what happened, um, the night, like within five minutes of the Raptors winning the um, the title, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN put out a report saying exactly what I just told you guys. Now, I should mention my colleagues at the Athletic. At this time, I was working at NBC Sports Washington. My colleagues at the Athletic, who are still my colleagues now, uh, uh, or my teammates, I should say, Fred Katz and David Aldridge put out something similar to what I did. I, I don't think they went as far as I did, but it was a, effectively a similar scenario about um, what was involved. You know, what what were some of the parameters that Washington would be pursuing? In any event, um, I bring all this up because those rumors have been kind of floating around again that something could happen. And it's now been put out there, somebody in Bleacher Report put out there, you know, that, you know, hearing, you know, the Wizards are planning to make a move on Masai. Um, I, I, you know, I say this all the time. I don't remember if I said this on here or somewhere else. I, uh, between doing this podcast, Fred Katz's Wizards After Dark podcast, going on the radio and having random conversations with people in my life, I don't always remember where I said what. But I, I've been wondering for a long time now with regards to the Wizards. You know, Ted Leonsis is the owner, but he's not the majority owner. Whereas, like, say, Dan Snyder and his family are the majority owners of the Washington football team and these other three gentlemen that there's been legal battles with, they're the, um, they're the minority owners. Ted Leonsis is not the majority owner of the Wizards. He is not. He's only, it's, it's about, uh, uh, I think, roughly 40%. And that was before the pandemic that, that, that he, was, uh, he was not the majority owner. And I think to me that's notable because obviously all these owners are, are richer than any of us could probably imagine. But relatively speaking to the world that they that they live in, he's not the he's not some tech titan. I know he's uh, he's from the world of tech, but I mean he doesn't have the Mark Cuban money, the David Tepper Carolina Panthers own money. Again, not knocking the money that that aspect, but I'm saying if he's already not the majority owner, you know you you have to wonder on some level what does a pandemic do? He's got both sports, the you know the, the NBA and the NHL team not generating any revenue. All these owners are going to take big hits this year financially. And you have to wonder on some level, at least I've been saying this for a while, you know, could we see a point where maybe he has to sell more of the team or somebody, or, or does somebody else in the ownership group become a, a bigger, a bigger voice in some capacity? Um, in any event, that, that person um, that I've been wondering about is, um, Mar Mar Marlene Jobs. Um, crap. Hold on. Do I have her name right? Let me let me double check if I have her name right. I should know this considering uh, I, I mention this all the time. Um, oh, sorry, Marlene. I apologize. Lorraine Powell. I'm I'm a moron. Ignore ignore everything I just said. I knew, I knew that wasn't right. But Lorraine Powell. She is, I believe, the number two owner uh, on the on the board for 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 Washington. And you know, you look up her wealth online. 
she's got she's got plenty of cash. In any event, I bring this up because in the Bleacher Report, it mentions specifically that uh, I should say the Bleacher Report report. It mentions specifically that um, that that there could be others within Washington's ownership group uh, who have financial wherewithal could could help and make Masai Jerry. Um, you know, make an offer he can't refuse, so to, so to speak. So in any event, I just think it's something that we'll, we'll keep an eye on. I bring up the 2019 report because, you know, at that time, Ted Leonsis completely denied that, you know, they, they had any interest in it. He told the Washington Post it was basically nonsense. There were quotes in there from him sort of laughing at the reporting that I did, uh, more or less. Um, and, you know, he talked about that he spoke with 78 people to figure out Washington's uh, new GM circumstance. Well, bully for him. Uh, but in any event, we'll see what goes on with this. Uh, you know, not saying I'm convinced 100% that Masai Jiri would be coming here or they would be interested or that the Wizards are even definitively going to make a move. It is February 1st. And what we're talking about is very much down the line. Uh, and we'll see what happens. But it's back in the news again. I suspect there'll be more reporting on this. As I said, I've heard a few things. Haven't really just d- d- dug into it just because I'm busy elsewhere. But it's something in the news. I wanted to mention it, um, and now I did. Uh, let's get to the interviews. Antonio Gibson, as I said, uh, Panini America made him available to some media folks uh, today, Tuesday, uh, Monday. Um, with regards to um, uh, you know to have a chance to catch up during the off season, he was in Dallas. He told me. Uh, we talked over Zoom. It was good. To, it was good to see him. Uh, look, honestly, uh, you know, I don't know how you all are doing your Zoom, your uh, pandemic situation these days. But um, I've said before, I live alone, and uh, I don't see too many people these days. So, uh, you know, I, I I've never actually met Antonio Gibson in person because of the whole situation. But we have spoken before over Zoom, of course. So it was it was nice to see a friendly face, and we had a, we had a nice chat for a few minutes, kind of catching up with him on what he's doing. So. We'll get into that, and then I'm going to jump right into my interview with Marcin Gortat, um, who was down in who's down in Orlando uh, during right now during this pandemic. Uh, so really back-to-back fun conversations. We'll start though with Antonio Gibson, Washington football team running back here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Uh, well, first of all, it, it's it's great to see you. Um, we'll, we'll get into some of the football stuff in a second. You're obviously here talking because of. Panini, the trading cards. Uh, during the last few weeks since the season ended, I've been kind of keeping busy beyond work. One of the things I've been doing is looking at my old trading cards. Uh, the business is kind of booming again. I've been kind of looking to see what I've got going on. Uh, one thing, one thing I don't have is myself on a card, which is never going to happen. So I don't know if you were into cards as a kid, but that would be amazing to me if I saw myself on a card. What was it? Were you into cards, and was that something when you saw yourself that was like, wow, that's pretty cool? Uh, definitely, I was definitely in the cars. Uh, uh, I had like two binders full of cars: baseball, football, basketball. Uh, you know, for people to be able to, you know, open up a pack of cars and, and I'm in there. And, uh, you know, people are like, oh, I got this card. Sonny Gibson is kind of amazing too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bet. Do you have like a? Do you have like a stack? Do you have any you've already put up? Put in like the you know a, a case so to protect. You say what? You have you already put any into like a case to protect that you uh you, know, so you can't have those corners getting messed up. Oh yeah, not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> kind of let my mom, my mom's been collecting them, buying them all over the place. So I've been letting her handle that. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, cool. Well, it's, it's like I said, it's good to see you. Obviously, it's been a couple of weeks now since the season, um, the season ended. Uh, you know, obviously, making the playoffs is great. You don't want to lose the last game, but it is the way that it went. What, uh, what have you been kind of up to the last uh, couple of weeks since the season ended? Uh, I've just been resting, uh, giving my body a break, uh, and also getting um, treatment on my toe. So I've just been dealing with that. I was going to ask you, how, how's that going? You, you seem to say at the end of the year that you didn't think you need surgery or anything. Is that still kind of? Uh... Yeah, no surgery, but um, it's not quite there, but um, it's getting better. So, you know, just taking it week by week. I mean, turf toe sounds terrible. <laughs> it is. It actually is. For it to be that small, it, it really is. But uh, it's getting there. I mean, obviously, I don't. we can't compare maybe what you have with what Patrick Mahomes has, but he's dealing with, with turf toe and obviously he's about to go play in, in, in the Super Bowl. Can you like sort of say from your perspective, what's the, what was the biggest challenge with that injury that maybe could affect him? Just putting pressure on it. Um, and you've you seen in that game how he was kind of moving around. Uh, and for him to actually finish out that game, you know, still run around was kind of amazing. But uh, it's definitely hard to like put pressure on it and, you know, make those cuts that you usually make. We're talking with uh, Washington football team running back Antonio Gibson, who had a really strong uh, rookie season. Uh, I know we asked you at the end of the year kind of you know, what you thought. Now that you've had a few weeks removed from the season, what do you look back on most fondly about the season, the, the, the highlight for you from everything you know, that, that happened? Um, I'll just say getting better uh, week in and week out, um, seeing my you know progression throughout the season. Um, you know, some games it, it kind of like looking complete. Uh, so, you know, those two Dallas games, I had a lot of fun, games against the Bengals. Uh, you know, to have a chance to compete in the playoffs, you know, my first year was kind of amazing. But, uh, you know, it didn't turn out how I wanted it to turn out. But, you know, it was an experience and a learning lesson. Um, obviously, the big question going – among the big questions going forward is, you know, what's the next step? What do you do? So, what have you – I don't know. You said you're, you're dealing with your toe and your treatment, so I'm guessing you haven't been full-blown into – off season stuff, but what do you when you get ready? What what do you kind of envision as that next thing? And what do you specifically plan on doing? Who are you going to be kind of working with? Things like that. Uh, plan on coming back to Dallas. I'm um, training down here at Exos. Uh, you know, just working on my explosiveness. Um, you know, trimming down some of my body. Uh, you know, just getting right for the next season. Um, what do you? What was it? You, you even said yourself at the end of the year that you could tell. Like that, that you knew that we all could see there were things you still needed to work on. And it was obvious early in the year that like, you know, maybe like the vision coming out of the backfield, there were some times maybe there was a hole that you didn't get to, but it seemed to improve a lot as the season went on. Was there a moment where you kind of felt the light kind of go on that you really could kind of see the adjustment? And again, we all remember barely ran the ball in college. So we went from not running a lot to he had the lead running back for an NFL team. So it was a, a big adjustment. But was there a moment where you kind of thought, that you noticed the light kind of come on? Um, I actually said this wrong earlier. I said the first Cowboys game, but it was um, the first time we played the Giants. Um, I don't even think I rushed for that much, but I felt confident in what I was doing and I was shooting the right holes. And, you know, they had a, a good um, front line, but uh, I was making the right reads. I was following the right blocks. And, um, you know, I felt confident in my tracks. Uh, it wasn't the, the game I wanted to have, but, uh, you know, just on like doing the right thing and actually trusting my uh, linemen. Um, hitting where I was supposed to hit, uh, I feel like that's when it started clicking. And then the next game, can't remember who we played, but I think I had a, a good game that, uh, the game after. I think the next game was the, was the first Dallas game. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, I know in sports, 
being able to be an instinctive player is it's so important that you don't you don't want to overthink. That's important for life, but also as as you're an athlete out there on the field. So what, what is that like when the how, how do you recognize that difference between trying to think what you're doing versus it just kind of comes naturally, especially as a running back hitting the holes and things like that? I feel like that was what I was you know playing off of the first couple of games. Uh, instinct. Uh, you know, if I seen somebody cut in front of me, I was going the opposite direction. I knowing what was over there. If I had any blockers over there, um, you know, just, just just you know, running off reaction. Um, you know, once I started to to put that with knowing where my line was going and know which way I needed to cut because I had blockers over there, uh, it, it all started on fall and play. And, um, that's when you start seeing better runs and more explosive runs, and you know, getting skinny in between tackles. You know, for three or four yards. You know, positive plays. Gotcha. Um, there's always so much going on in the offseason. We're not even that far removed from you guys finishing, but there's been a, uh, some, some front office shakeups. There's been some quarterback talk. How much do you pay attention to those types of things? Are you, are you, are you interested in any of that stuff or you just uh, show up? Not at all. That's above my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned too much of that to us. So, I mean, you know, I hear it, of course, but, uh, you know, I don't do too much watching it and trying to focus in on it. Gotcha. Have you have you uh, kept in touch with any any of your teammates? Anybody? I mean, I guess it's hard, obviously, with COVID, to be around each other still. But like, who have you kind of kept up with so far? And like, is there? I don't know. I guess you can't get together. But is there any hope of uh, guys uh, kind of doing anything, working out when when it's when it's appropriate, things like that? Not really. Not as of now. Uh, you know, I feel like everybody on vacation, so you know, I don't do too much trying to bother them or you know, talking to them. Let everybody enjoy their time with their family and friends. So uh, I just been focusing on rest, and I'm pretty sure they are as well. But uh, when it's time to get back training, I'm pretty sure we'll probably have something where we get together. Um, you know, once or twice or, or something like that. You know, start to get a connection for things. But as of now, no. Beyond going to working with Panini here on this planet. Is there anything else you have been kind of doing for fun um, in the off season? I know I've caught up on some binge watching shows. Have you any, anything, uh, anything? I just fun? got into anime. I did. I just oh, yeah? got into watching anime. Uh, I've been watching Naruto uh, and that's had my attention for like the past three weeks. Uh, so that's something I've, I've been getting into. I've been excited about that actually. And that anime, just make sure I got this right. You're talking about the Japanese cartoon yeah. situation? Yes, that's yeah. what it's Look, I just got into it, but it's well, pretty amazing. <laughs> well, I was gonna, what, what is it about that? I'm not, I, I mean, I know what it is, but I haven't really watched it. I said, well, why do you like that? I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to speak on it. And, you know, everybody get mad at me because I don't know what I'm talking about. But just like cartoon, uh, a whole bunch of battles, uh, jutsu and stuff like that. Like, So I guess it's kind of on that side of the Japanese uh, side, but... Uh, it's very interesting, and once you get into it, it's very addicting. Well, all right, well, that's the next step. Now you're on a trading card. Now we got to get you in the anime. They got to like be able to draw out Antonio Gibson and have you with, with all your moves and stuff. Yeah, that'd be dope. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I guess this, this, this lastly, so with regards to when do you what, what point for next season you start thinking about like goals for the season, or, do, or maybe I don't know if you're a goal kind of person, but at what point do you kind of really start? laying down the groundwork. I know you said you wanted to get in not better shape, but you wanted to maybe trim down a little bit and, and things like that. When do you start really sort of applying these are the goals I want to do both for the off season and also for the actual season? Um, as soon as I get back to work, uh, I got a date set to come back to Dallas, uh, February 15th. You know, as soon as I touch down, it's, it's time to work. So, uh, you know, I kind of already got my goals. So I told you I wanted to slim down. I'm going to slim down and I want to work on my explosiveness. I'm going to get that down. And, um, so, you know, I can hit those holes and, you know, get positive yards. Uh, I feel like I'm good at falling forward. So I feel like if I work on my explosiveness more, it's just going to get better. And, uh, 
and, you know, season goes, I haven't really thought about that, but it'll come around. Matthew, do you have a Super Bowl uh, prediction? A Super Bowl? Uh, I say Super Bowl. Super Bowl prediction. Uh, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a re- it's a reasonable way to go. They they seem like they're they're, they're pretty good. Um, well, Anton, it was great seeing you. Appreciate uh, Panini uh, letting uh, letting us chat with you for a few minutes. Best of luck the off season, and uh, you know stay stay off that toe as best you can. But then you got to get you got to get back out there and uh, doing your thing. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, uh, as promised, joining us here on the podcast. This is a big deal because he's the big man. The best uh, Wizards big man in I don't know how long. He is Marchin Gortat. My man, how, uh, how how are you? Good. How are you guys? What's going on, man? I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. Trying to uh, live my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we're, I, I, we're, we're all trying that. I'm so fascinated by a guy like you. Like, for me, I basically haven't left my house since the pandemic started. I, one, I, don't, I only have the one house. I don't have places to go like you. Um, I, you know, I covered, I left my house a little bit for work here and there, but now that the, me covering the football team is in the off season, I'm back. <laughs> I haven't left my house in two weeks. As you can see, I haven't shaved. I'm like letting myself go again. What, what, like, what, what was your, what have you been, you, you, you're, you're in, you, you've got homes on both, you got places on both coasts. You, you're an international man of mystery. Like where, where have you been all this time? Well, I've been traveling a little bit. Uh, I had to go by, back to Poland because of the whole situation with COVID. Uh, at the beginning in, in March, when you know when everything happened, I was here in Orlando for about two months, and after that, I had to go back with my fiance to uh, to, to to back to Poland, and I stayed there for eight months. It was actually for the first time in my. 16 years MBA, uh, maybe not MBA, MBA 12 years and additional four years in Germany, uh, which is a, you know, 16 year career. After 16 years, I came back to Poland for the first time and I stayed there for almost eight months. And it was uh, definitely a weird experience. Uh, Sounds crazy what I'm saying right now, but it was weird because I had to adjust again. You know, Uh, I've been living here in, in States in a different culture. Uh, beautiful states like California, Arizona, Orlando, Washington, and you know it's it's been it's been a different culture and different environment. And all of a sudden, you got to go back to Poland, where I had to stay for about eight nine months. You know, cold weather. Uh, it was uh, definitely uh, a weird experience, but I had to adjust. Uh, I had I had to stay over there because my fiance couldn't come back here because of the the lockdown and because of the restrictions on the border. Uh, not only not only Trump, but now Biden, uh, you know, kept that restrict. Uh, they keeping those restrictions. You know, people from from overseas, they they not allowed to enter United States. So. Uh, my entire family stayed there. I had to go over there and just be with them. So uh, it was it was tough. But uh, yeah, I'm, I was traveling a little bit. I went to Africa. I went to Croatia. I went to Italy. So I, I had some time to, you know, discover rest of the world. Wow. I mean, literally, I haven't left. I, I don't I think I, I, I drove I drove on two road trips. I went to Cleveland to cover a game. I went to New York and I went to Philly like but just to cover a game. I like went to the hotel. That was basically about it. I've been inside one restaurant and you've been in like 15,000 <laughs> countries. And, like you and I are living very different lives, although of course I expect that uh, as, a, as, as, a, as a famous NBA player versus uh, versus me. So, like I'm just curious like 
you mentioned some of the difference, like the, the idea of differences. What was like the biggest difference being in Poland versus here? Like, I mean, like, like, do they have like, I, you know, McDonald's or like, what, like, like, what's the biggest like day-to-day difference that you didn't have over there that you, that you had here and you got used to? Just, just the approach, just the, just the, uh, the culture, I would say, you know, when, when you're walking around here in Orlando, where I am right now, everybody's friendly, everybody's nice, you know, we know each other here pretty much for the past 10 years, whatever I go, either grocery shop uh, or, or uh, restaurant, people know me and they say, hey, hello, Martin, how are you? How's your retirement? You know, how you feel, you know, hey, Martin, you're you looking good, you know, have, have a nice day. You know, it's just just the culture is, is amazing here. And, you know, obviously the weather, beautiful weather everywhere is green, palm, palm trees, you know, everything it looks fun and beautiful. You know, it's, it's a totally different experience. When you go back to Poland, unfortunately, we don't have that. We don't have that. There's obviously a lot of things going on from the political standpoint, uh, you know, all the all the restaurants been shut down, all the events been shut down. I, I, I can't really do anything with my foundation, which is, you know, uh, kind of new to me because for the past 12, 12 years, 13 years, I've been doing a lot of stuff with my foundation, but right now we basically sitting and doing nothing. So uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's crazy experience. You know, uh, I wish people in Poland, you know, they could be <laughs> as friendly as we are here in Orlando, but unfortunately we're not at that level yet. <laughs> do, do, we, do we acquire any new pets? I mean, I, I always remember your pet pig that wasn't really your pet, but you pretended it was your pet. You got any- uh, Yeah, any I, got, I got a little pet. I, I, I just bought a, a little Pomeranian, Pomeranian uh, little boo, uh, little bo, uh, the little puppy. It's about like five pounds heavy. I bought it to my girlfriend and she's, uh, she loves it. She loves it. And, uh, you know, I, I got kind of more time for myself now because she's really busy with that dog, but. Did you, uh, walk, the, did you walk that dog? I did walk that dog. Well, we need to see that. I, we need to see that picture. The six eleven center walking the five pound dog. This needs to be yeah, on the internet immediately. I mean, listen, this dog is just the, the cutest thing on, on earth, man. It's going to it's it's so sweet and i'm telling you it's just the coolest dog ever man you don't need those big dogs pit bulls you know to to eat you eat you alive you need the little five pound dog and it's gonna be the coolest thing ever <laughs> all right well you send send us that picture put it on twitter or, or send it to me and i'll put it on twitter because we the world sure. needs to see that um so it sounds like you're doing you're doing good you're in your post career uh, all things considered with with the covid what, what's it been like could you have imagined when you see what's happening in the NBA, first of all, there was the bubble, ironically, in Orlando, but this bubble that these guys had to deal with where you know, you're kind of stuck in this same space, the NBA seemingly did a pretty good job with it, but you're still stuck there. And now the current situation they're in where games are getting you know canceled or postponed a lot, or at least postponed the Wizards up directly, just had a really long layoff, the longest layoff that anybody's ever had and just all this right. testing and you're limited could you imagine based on the lifestyle that you remember with the league having to be this restricted and how you know how, how it would be i mean i i, I gotta tell you i the, even during my retirement right now i'm trying to find time and find the right like per- perfect fit for myself to work out and find some time to you know, to, 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 to get, to stay in shape, you know, not only to get in shape, but just to stay in shape. It's, it's very difficult. You know, I'm lucky guy that I have a small weight room in my house. I have a treadmill, the best, the, one of the best investments in the, in the past two years I did bought a treadmill and is actually keeping me in shape. But I, 
I can't imagine what these guys got to go through right now. You know, I, I, I might sound like a smart man right now and, and clever guy, but you know, year, year and a half ago when people were telling me like, okay, okay, March, come on, you got another year in you, you can go and, you know, let's get that minimum contract. Let's, let's go and let's, let's, let's fight for the championship for the ring. You know, you have one more year, you know, you, you definitely going to have a chance to compete for the championship. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's cool. But, I, I'm done. I'm done. I think it's time for me to step down. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be the third center. I don't want to be the guy who's going to be basically sit behind the bench and, you know, try to guide, you know, all the young guys. You know, I if, I just got no time for that. I, I'd rather do that in Poland than do this in NBA. And and everybody was saying, like, you crazy, Martin. Like, you lost your mind. Like, you got another at least two years in you. And look, now I'm the smart guy. I mean, if I if I sign a contract back then, I'll go through that hell right now. I'll be going through that hell. I'll be locked down in Orlando for a couple months, you know, try to not only play basketball game, but just try to survive in that bubble. You know, that's crazy. So, like I said, you know, obviously back then when I was making when I was when I was, uh, you know, when I was pulling the decision, I was making the decision. Obviously, I didn't know we we're going to have COVID and I didn't know we we're going to have bubble. But right now I sound like a goddamn smart man, you know? <laughs> so like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult for these guys. I can't imagine, you know, playing without fans. I mean, I, I'm trying to imagine that it's, it's hard. It gotta be hard, you know, for many guys. I, I a lot of guys going to tell you, Oh, I'm playing for my teammates. I'm playing, playing for myself, you know, nah, that it's all just talking, you know, for the media. They need fans. A lot of players need fans and uh, a lot of people is playing because they like to be watched. They like to be seen. And a lot of players is just playing below their level because they, there is no fans in the stands. And uh, at this point, I, I, I just feel bad for these guys right now. Seriously, uh, you know, the budget, the, the salary cup is going to be smaller. These guys are going to get, you know, less money. Uh, you know, they got to do all this test, COVID test every day or, you know, every other day. And it's, it's crazy. That's just crazy. I, I feel bad for these guys. And, you know, but our Wizards is not doing well. Hopefully they're going to get better. But again, uh, it's a tough time for, for the whole NBA and for the entire world. Well, and I was going to ask you, so I reached out to you the other day when, when uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal were going to go head to head. I was going to see if you were going to watch. And I know based on Twitter, you, you, you were paying attention, and I want to ask you about that. But to the point of how this must be difficult, I mean, it would be bad enough in this circumstance. You're dealing with having COVID every day. You have to do all these tests. The Wizards specifically just missed a bunch of games. They still have like six guys, five or six guys who are in the testing protocol. So they're, they're very shorthanded. They have the worst record in the league. So can you imagine, I don't know if when you last talked to Bradley Beal, He's having a great individual year. He's leading the league in scoring. He's getting better by the minute. I want to ask you kind of what you see with his game, but like to do all that. And then you have this circumstance where COVID's in the way you're restricted with what you have to do and to simultaneously be losing. Everybody keeps noting how he looks so frustrated on the bench. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look where you guys were four or four years ago, game seven against Boston to look where it is now, both professionally, but also personally with how the world is going. Can you sort of imagine what he's kind of having to deal with. Right. Well, you know, 
I know Brad well, and I one thing I can tell you, you know, the whole situation with the with the players being out and players being in and all the stuff going on is not going to influence his game. He, at the end of the day, he's going to go out and do his job. That you know, that's one thing, and it, it, that's great about him. He's going to continue to improve. I would say he's probably hitting the 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 the, the top top of Bradley Beal right now. I think he's and he's like 110 percent prime right now. I think we are seeing complete uh, full potential of Bradley Beal right now. I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy's average what thirty-five points right now, or something yeah. like that. I mean, Jesus, that's that's just amazing. I was I was always saying he's like a better version of Dwayne Wade with uh, all the way three-point range. That's that's what I was always saying. You know, at least a couple of years before when I was playing with him. Uh, right now, I mean, it's it's too early to say, but you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the headlines in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of websites. But I would say, you know, he, he might be the little Kobe Bryant right right here. You know, I mean, this guy is just amazing. Um, he just gotta he just gotta win championships. That's that's what he got. That's what he has to do right now to 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 prove it that he's you know so good. I mean, he got to prove it to a lot of people. But again the team the team is the team is doing bad right now uh it's too early it's too early to say it but let's wait another 20 30 games and then we're gonna say if this team is really bad or not uh obviously i mean the team doesn't have so much talent like we had five six years ago uh you know four or five years ago but still there's a lot of time um and there's a lot of games left. Uh, we we got to wait. We can't we can say this guy's bad, this guy's bad, this guy's fault. We can't point fingers right now. We just got to wait. Obviously, a lot of guys is out because of the because of the COVID, because of all these freaking protocols and stuff. But, you know, obviously, frustration is there. Uh, you know, Ross is a new addition to the team. Uh, I don't think Ross is playing at the level that everybody expected him to play. Uh, you know, if... That's if if only Ross gets back to the level he was playing, this team's gonna be 500 at least. I'm sure about that. Well, I want to ask you about about Westbrook in a second, but in terms of like Beal, so uh, obviously his his game has continued to improve, and you, you mentioned I mean you, you just threw out some really nice uh, comparisons there with Dwayne Wade and, and and maybe even Kobe Bryant, which is you know that's, that that that's a lot, but he's obviously gotten a lot better. Um, I'm sure, you know, he was driven on some level throughout his career by going up against, you know, by being on the same team as John. John's the one who was get, for years was the guy who was the, the, the best, you know, he was the, as the face of the franchise, the best player. Brad's coming up along, and I'm sure he wanted to, to prove himself. Did you see that? I mean, we, we got to see them go head to head to some degree, which is kind of wild. Did you see that like back in the day during practices that those guys, teammates and friends and all that, but that the competitive juice like that they were sort of going against each other the way we finally kind of saw it um, in that game the other day? No, that, that, <laughs> let me tell you something. The stuff you've seen a couple of days ago, John going against Brad in uh, in uh, in a, in a, in a, in an official NBA game, that was that was nothing. That was nothing, and uh, that was just that was just random random pickup game. I would say that was just yeah. random pickup game. The stuff we've seen in practice when they were going head to head, you know, because people made them to go against each other. Coach Brooks told them to go against each other, and we I wit I witnessed some some crazy stuff in the practice. And uh, I'm not saying they they were fighting. I'm not saying that they were the 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 just the 
the skill level and the intensity and, and, and uh, the tension between these two guys in the practice was just something you haven't seen before. I mean, I, again, the, the two days ago, three days ago game we've seen, it was nothing. That was, that was, that was just friendly pickup game between these two guys. I've seen them going three times harder, if not 10 times harder. I've seen them going harder in the practice uh, a couple of times and, 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 uh, it was, you could see they were competing. Uh, you know, at this point right now, John is in a different place. Uh, it's kind of sad to see, you know, the whole situation, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Like he said, you know, the team has to move, you know, the team has to move on. And uh, uh, John is in the new spot. You know, I wish him all the best. Uh, Bradley is the franchise player right now. Uh, you know, the team decide to go with him and, and, they just gotta. They just gotta continue to play. You know, uh, I was traded three times. You know, I, I can tell John a lot of things about being traded. Do, do you remember any anything specific about those guys going head to head in practice? Any any particular uh, time and place when when you remember like, wow, this is really fun, or just something specific that happened? Oh, it was uh, it was a lot of trash talking. It was a lot of trash talking, and uh, who was and there was a lot of. Uh, I remember that a few players was trying to get involved and. All the vets were like, no, 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 no. You standing on the side. We are not helping from the from the weak side. We are just standing in the corner. We are not moving, and uh, that's that's all I'm gonna say. I don't want to say more because there was uh, inside the team uh, stuff, and and basically, like I said, it was way more intense than than the game we've seen, Houston versus Washington. But again, the good thing is that when the practice was over. Uh, you know, coach finished the practice. These guys came to each other, shake their hands. They hug like a brothers. And, and, and next day we came out to the game and we killed people in, on the court, you know. But this time together on one side. And it, it was fun. It was fun. That's how these guys became who they are today because they were pushing each other. I know you said you could tell John a thing or two about being traded, but was it weird to see him in a jersey the other night that wasn't the, 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 the Wizards jersey? I mean, it was, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, when I was back in Poland, all of a sudden I woke up and I, I see the tweet, you know, uh, I want to be, I think John posted on Twitter or, or he said in the interview that he wants to be traded. And then a uh, couple of days later, uh, you know, obviously official statement, you know, John Wall is being traded to Houston for Russell Westbrook. I was, I was completely shocked. I mean, I was really shocked. I mean, I made a couple of phone calls to the people, you know, ask what's going on. And, you know, uh, hey, I got no explanation. I, I haven't I haven't spoke to uh, John or Brett about this, but it was weird. I mean, at some point, you know, that that era, our era just just finished. I mean, it was over. You know, John left, you know, the the whiz kids was they 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 were broke, you know, they they split and it was at some point it was sad, you know, it was sad because I remember the team we had, it was me, you know, John Kelly, you know, Otto Porter, you know, Thomas was there and obviously Bradley, you know, Jan Mahimi and everybody's gone right now. It's just, it's just sad. It feels bad about it, but you know, that's, that's how it is. We got to move on. Right. I mean, like, obviously all the talk is, is Bradley Beal going to get traded? What contender wants him? And I, I, me personally keep thinking, wow, like if he gets traded and, you know, whatever, well, if he gets traded for me, that will be the end of something. Because I mean, for me, like as a, as a reporter, like covering for basically from when John came into the league 
is when I really started covering the wizard like in full and like, uh, you know, things change. And obviously, you know, you, 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 like you said, all these different people have gone. So the fact that we're basically now down to Brad and he's doing great, but yeah, if he were to go, I'd be like, wow, this thing is, uh, is really kind well, of over. Yeah, but we still can't forget what John did for this team and for this organization. I mean, he, he completely turned the whole team around and the whole organization around. Thanks to him, we went, and obviously him and Brad, we went to, you know, we had those playoff, playoffs runs. And, uh, you know, obviously we still kind of feel bad that we didn't make it, you know, we didn't, we didn't go to the conference finals, you know, a couple times in a row. But listen, it's, it's basketball, you know, we, we got to live, we got we to live with a result. Uh, but like, like, like I said, you know, John did an extremely great job for the city, uh, for the organization, for this team, for the fans. He was embraced and, and, and everybody loves him in D.C. Uh, but, but it's over, you know, everything at some point has, you know, there, all the great stories, uh, you know, has to end at some point. And, and uh, I really wish and I hope that one day John's going to come back to Washington and he, you know, maybe as a player, as a, you know, 36, 37 years old player, he's going to come back for the last run. And then eventually he, he will become a front office person, you know, or maybe a coach, assistant coach. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping one day he's going to get back to D.C. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the things that's interesting is just the fact that, like, that ultimately he was traded that this guy who had been the face of the franchise that rolled out the red carpet literally for him when he got picked and and all that that he did it got to a point that he got traded i mean we're all sort of wondering like what exactly happened john alluded to the other day in in the after the game like the idea of they maybe didn't believe in me anymore they thought i was done like what from the outside like you said you talked to the people too like what's your sense like what any idea like how that <sighs> happened you know what? I can't really speak for different people. I don't know, too. Uh, like I said, I think it was a shock for everybody that he was traded. Uh, I spoke with Tommy Shepard, but I spoke about different things. I didn't really mention uh, the John Wall situation. And, you know, the only thing is you just got to, you know, I'm quite sure it was tough also for Tommy to, to trade John. You know, he was there from day one, you know, the day when they traded him, he was there. And, and it's just, you know, it's just sad, but you know, that's, that's, that it's business, you know, basketball, I mean, NBA basketball is just one big business. People got to understand that. I learned that in my first trade from Orlando to Phoenix. And then on this, on the second trade, it was like, it was brutal, brutal, completely brutal because I didn't expect that trades, you know, happen so fast. I just had a phone call to, I uh, just had a phone call, you know, yeah, you go to the office and, you know, all of a sudden you're finding out 48 hours before the start of the season, hey, you're going to you go into the Washington, you know, I was like, wow, just like that. So I didn't have any heads ups. Hey, you're going to be traded in the next couple of days or next couple of hours. I didn't have any heads ups. And, and, and I learned in a brutal way that, you know, NBA, it's just it's business. And, and I think John learned it, too. Uh, you know, people in the front office in Washington, they know that and they got to do what's what's best for the team. Uh, hopefully John's going to, you know, have a great year in Houston. Uh, hopefully he's going to get back to being an all star and and we got to We got to move on. Everybody has to move on. Uh, we're, we're talking here with uh, former Wizard Center marching Gortat. He mentioned being traded. Uh, I know people over the years complain about trades the Wizards have made. It didn't work out. This one worked out. So giving up a first-round pick for, for for a guy who played every game. What, what were we here, five years? I lost track of that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I missed, like, in five years, I missed, what was that, six, seven games? Something like that, yeah. 
and three or three or four of them were actually not from my fault because my mom had a stroke i had had a post personal reasons i had to fly back to poland so actually it wasn't kind of my fault obviously you know it's a family matter but i had to i had to fly back to see my mom and uh, you know from from my physical standpoint i think i missed four games if i'm not mistaken Right. And, you, and, the, and the team right about that time went from being you know, out of the playoffs to being in the playoffs consistently. You guys won a playoff series in three out of four years. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Actually, do you, when you look back at that, is there any one moment you guys were close at various times to get to the next point? Where is there one moment, one year where you thought, man, that was the spot. If we had just, we, we were so close, we had just done this. Oh, man, if only that had happened, we could have maybe gone another level. Well, I will say one thing, um, you know, today, you know, looking, you know, looking back what, what was going on back in Washington, you know, a couple of years ago, I would say Randy Whitman was a good coach. Randy Whitman was a very good coach. And, you know, it's sad that, you know, he had to go, um, you know, he was always on the hot seat. You know, a lot of people was, you know, killing him when, with the, with the, you know, all the reports and all that stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, he was the guy who was really controlling John and he was the guy who was really trying to make him better. Uh, there was there was something I've seen, I experienced that on my on my own skin. You know, I ain't gonna lie, Randy was yelling at me every freaking game too, you know, but I, I, even right now when I see him uh, in Orlando because he's helping Orlando Magic too, he's an uh, advisor here, I guess. I've seen him a couple of times at the game. I was always telling him like, God damn, Randy, you were always yelling at me, you know, every freaking game, you know, like at some point it had to stop. But I, like I said, I really respect what Randy did for us. You know, I, um, I, I, I don't think I, I was really, I really appreciated what me and Nana, what we had under the basket. You know, I don't think I, I had another partner like Nana in the next couple of years. You know, Nana was extremely great, talented, friendly, a great teammate. That was, uh, it was, he was always there for me. He was always there for me. And I, I was always counting on him, you know. I was collecting all the rebounds. He had all the touches under the basket and we, we were good. You know, we were living our life. You know, Drew Gooden was later there, you know, playing with those vets was amazing. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was great. And I don't think I, I appreciate that enough, you know, what we had back then. So I love what if scenarios. What do you think is the biggest what if scenario that you guys had? You had uh, playing against Atlanta and John breaks, you know, fractures his hand. And <laughs> that, that some it. Time. That's it. That's it. That's it. This is it. This is it. You know, it was. Uh, so you, you would pick that over Paul Pierce, the, the, the shot to tie right against Indiana it was like literally uh, a, a nanosecond away or game seven against Boston, you're one game away from the finals. So, but you would pick the, the John Wall broke hand. That was the one time. Yeah. I'll say I'll, I'll take John Wall break, you know, broke his hand. It was, it was, Oh man. When we find out about that hand, we were just, I think the, just the news killed us. That news killed us. And we were just so disappointed. I mean, John and Brad was playing out of his mind that that playoff run, and it, they were just playing extremely well. Um, yeah, I really would like to see what would happen after, uh, you know, if John won't break that hand. I, I really would like to see us go all the way to the end. Yeah, no, it felt like you guys had the momentum. Ironically, for me at least, that was the series where I recognized that Bradley Beal had the level we've seen now. Because when John went out, at that point, Brad was good, 
but you know, he wasn't being tasked with being a primary ball handler and he wasn't being tasked with being sort of the main guy. And then he was, and then he started to be more of that guy. And you could see he wasn't backing down from the challenge. And then we would see in later games, you know, game seven against Boston, obviously a very frustrating game, but he scores 38 points and he's making all the shots. And, you know, that was for me, the moment where I thought, Oh, he really does have another, uh, another level or two to go but yeah that that was such a tough one that uh... I, I got a, i got a good one right here i don't want to i don't want to be cocky it's going to sound like i'm cocky but i just want to know how much bradley will average if i set a screen for him today for 48 <laughs> minutes i just want to know what, what he will go for 40 he will go average 40 now i mean I'll, 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 i'll have to chip in i'll chip in at least with two three extra points for him i mean come I on I was watching some game the other day and they were talking about how the referees are calling the Gortat screens tighter these days. What do you think about <laughs> the fact that you are named for a specific thing? Is not many people, regardless who get named for something. What do you think about that? That's your legacy. I, I feel honored. I feel honored. I feel blessed. I feel like, you know, I, that, that the whole hard work paid off. Uh, and, and I truly, appreciate you know all these people that are remembering about what i was bringing to the table you know obviously i wasn't the most athletic guy out there there was a time i i could go up a little bit but at the end of the day i made a statement that i was one of the greatest screener in in this league and and you know it's just it's just awesome you know if people call gortat screen you know and and i i matter of fact i've been getting phone calls about that a couple of times a couple of coaches called me i'm not gonna say who called me but i had two three phone calls from the different teams they were calling me and asking about that screen how i do that what i'm focusing on and stuff like that so you know i had a great conversation a couple of times on the phone with people and uh hopefully they're gonna those teams hopefully they're gonna become better on the screens I know later in your career, we would talk uh, at, at games or whatever, and you and you were kind of getting frustrated a little bit because the game at that point was starting to go a little bit smaller. Golden State was starting to ascend. And, uh, you know, and, 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 right. Do you feel, do you ever look back and think, wow, to some degree you were lucky to have played when you did? Because if you come along now, it's, it's the, 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 your type of guy, there's some people who, who are still big, but there's not, there's, it's fewer and far between and they get subbed off more. Do you kind of ever look back and think, wow, I'm kind of glad glad I was able to play when I did because now I don't know what maybe happened yeah definitely if I if if I you know if I'll be today 20 years old and I try to make to the league I'll I'll probably make it but I won't be that good or that as that as as effective as I was before uh obviously I have to work on my three-point range you know I truly believe that at the end of the day I'll be a, a decent decent shooter you know I I didn't really have such a big problems with shooting from outside you know I, i had that little 15 17 feet jumper you know so you know extending that range all the way to the three-point line obviously will take some time but I, at the end of the day i truly believe i could uh shoot those threes too uh definitely corner threes but uh yeah i was happy i was happy that towards the end of my career you know when people start going small i was like thank god i'm at you know i'm on my way out from this league because You know, I don't think I'll sign another 16 million contract. You know, I don't think that will happen for me, you know. So, uh, you know, that just that's just how it is right now. You got to be quick, athletic, uh, you know, strong. You got to shoot. You got to switch on every, you know, you got to switch on the pick and roll from one to five. And that's how you're going to make a living in this league, unfortunately. But, you know, that's who you got to be. 
um, in, in the last couple of minutes here with you, let me just go through a couple of quick things. You, you watched the game the other day. I don't know how much you've been able to watch the Wizards. Uh, Russell, West, like if we're just pulling back to this team right now, Russell Westbrook situation to me is the biggest issue right now, because regardless of whether they can win a title or things like that, I'm not saying they could even if all were healthy, but if he's at an all-star level, like we've seen throughout his career, then he and Bradley Beal are a pretty dynamic backcourt. They could, you could have reasonable expectations. They make the playoffs and so on. If he's looking like the guy we've seen to this point, who doesn't seem to have the same kind of explosion, he had to. See, they had him sitting out a little over a week to try to rest or whatever. Then it's a bigger deal. He's got over two years left. In addition to this year, he's got two more years left at a huge salary. And you, you know, we'll see. When you were watching the other day, I, I know you're not a doctor and you, you're not around the team, but when you watch him play, like what could you see? Did you see? What do you see a guy who maybe does hurt, or do you any I concerns mean, that maybe he's lost a step? No, I don't think he lost his step. I mean, uh, I've seen him play, you know, a couple of times. But what I would say, he, you know, Russell Westbrook got to be Russell Westbrook. I think, you know, I, I respect what he's doing, that he's trying to get his teammates involved and pass the ball, you know, to, to the open guy. I really like that. But Russell Westbrook wasn't that guy since they won. Russell Westbrook was about scoring 30 you know, 30, 40 points, he was the thir- the thirstiest guy on the court. And in my opinion, that's who he got to be. That's who he got to be, you know. Um, it's not like this guy is passing 20 assists a game, just distributing the ball and collecting 20 assists a game because everybody around is making shots, you know. Don't send me wrong. He just got to be Russell Westbrook. I think he got to be a little bit more selfish, uh, which which is crazy what I'm saying as a big man because, you know, that I, I always wanted – I was the one who was complaining to John, like, John, please pass the, pass the ball, please. But, again, I think he will um, kind of come back – I, I think – I truly believe he will come back to his level if he become a little bit more uh, selfish, uh, you know, just a little bit. And, and, and that will get him – you know, he's swag that will get him. He's probably, uh, you know, the right approach, you know, and, and he got to be aggressive. And, you know, I, I think I've seen the comment, Scotty Brooks comment after one of the games that, you know, he got to continue to push the ball after defensive rebound. He just got to push the ball, go coast to coast, you know, attack the rim. And that's what he got to do. And uh, if he's going to do that, I truly believe he's going to come back to the level we, we've seen him play. Uh, but it's definitely, like I said, uh, if, 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 if Russ is going to come back to playing at the level, you know, he used to play, only Russ we, will be fine. The team will be 500. You, you mentioned uh, John and sort of sometimes saying, hey, man, don't, you know, I'm right here. Don't forget, don't forget about me. Like, <laughs> like, obviously, you guys had a lot of success uh, it, it, together. And then there was also always this sense of, you know, maybe there was some friction or whatever. When you look back on that time with John in particular, what do you – what do you look back on? Did you, how much do you look back on? What, what sort of stands out to you from, from that time and, and how, like, do you ever look back and think to yourself, boy, I, pulled, I, I maybe I didn't appreciate what we had or maybe I wish things had gone differently or did you just, you know? What, what no, I, I, I always appreciate it. I always appreciate that people can say whatever they want to say. They freaking haven't been in the locker room. They haven't been in my head or John's head. So they can say and, and you know, pop all different statements of it or on the internet. I don't care, but... I was always appreciated what John was doing for me. And, and I'm quite sure John was appreciated what he was doing, uh, what I was doing for him. Um, you know, I, I, I already learned a couple months after the trade when I had to play with Shay Gilchrist and, uh, you know, nothing wrong with, you know, with Shay because he's, he's very talented and he's rising star in this league, but 
you know, he wasn't at the level of John, you know, I was telling him different things on the pick and roll. I was telling him, we're going to do this, this and that. You got to pass the ball like this. You know, I don't think he was capable of doing stuff what John was doing. So, you know, he, he, he wanted to pass the ball. He just didn't know how. <laughs> and, and, you know, it took me a couple months to understand that John was just, you know, incredibly good for me. And, you know, obviously I would like to, you know, as I mentioned this many times, I would like to, I would like to get 20 passes from John every game, but you know, if there's only one basketball, John is the all-star. I wasn't the all-star. So, you know, John had to find the right balance and, uh, you know, we developed extremely great chemistry on a pick and roll. I don't think John's going to have ever that chemistry with anybody else. Like I had with him, you know, he was just great. I never, you know, I was always making sure that he's going to get open and he's going to go to the rim. You know, I was all, I knew always set the screen lower because people's going to go, people will go under on him, you know, in the transition, I knew how to set a screen to open him. And, and we just had a great communication. At least that's what I truly believe. And, uh, you know, it was always great to play with John, you know, and we understood each other very, very well at, at some point, you know, obviously the first year we were learning each other, you know, learning different different scenarios but the next four years were just extremely great um and, and just lastly for you obviously you know you know uh, some of these people who are still involved in this team on, on the players on the coaching staff in the front office you mentioned a guy like randy whitman before um as you look at this thing like what do you think like the wizards are in a rough spot not only are they have the the, the worst record right now but like you know we, we mentioned westbrook like even if he comes back at a pretty good level they it, it, they don't have the same proven depth that they had when you guys were playing. They have some interesting young guys, but they're not there yet. And we'll see what, what, what do you think this team need? And it's also not asking you to weigh in on this, but like, you know, this is the last year of Scott Brooks's contract and so on. What do you think this team needs to do? Maybe not even this year, but just going forward, what do you think, what do, what do they need to do to get back to where you guys were a few years ago? Well, first of all, they gotta be, uh, fully healthy and together back together that's number one you know they gotta you know try to survive and try to avoid that COVID and all the protocols and and first of all try to play together and be together practice together because otherwise we can't really judge this team uh i, I would say we need another 20 30 games to see who they really are uh you know there was a lot of bumps on the road and you know this team is completely um out of the rhythm right now uh you know the roster is changing constantly uh i think alex len was the, the the newest addition recently we got to give some time to alex because i truly believe alex is going to be a good addition to this team uh at the end of the day he was my rookie in uh in in, in phoenix and uh a lot of people say that i was traded from phoenix to make a spot for alex so he can play so <laughs> uh yeah that's 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 true but at the end of the day like i said he was my rookie and i truly cheer for him because he's a he's a very good kid uh, with a great character, and I truly believe he's going to help the team. Uh, and then we'll see. After 20, 30 games, we'll see where the team is. Hopefully, uh, till this time, you know, during that time, Russ is going to, you know, come back to the level uh, that he was, you know, a couple of years ago. And and then we'll judge, you know, then we'll judge the team and judge people on the team. Uh, then we're going to start pointing fingers. Uh, I truly believe that uh, Tommy Shepard is is doing, you know, what he has to do for the team to 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 improve the team. There's a lot of new guys, a lot of young guys. They they developing a lot of young guys. Um, we just gotta wait. We gotta wait. Uh, I think it's too early to make. You know, it's too early to start scratching people and like 
saying this guy got to go, this guy got to be traded. It's too early. We got to wait, and and then we'll find out what's going to happen at the end of the season. All right. Well, look, I'm going to let you get back to your to, to your life there in Orlando, where all the people are nice and know who you are and say nice things. And you got a five pound dog. You got to go. Uh, you got to go walk. Uh, I, I, hopefully, one of these days we'll all be in a position where we can be in the same place because. You need to come back to Washington. I'm pretty sure they still owe you a tribute video. I'm, I'm not going to forget that. I think that I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Point. Trust me. <laughs> I'm waiting. I love. I love my. Oh, hold on. There you go. You hear? Yeah, I hear it. I'm, yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to come back to my uh, Washington family. Trust me. I'm. I'm looking forward to see all the guys and uh, all the stuff, you know front office people, staff members, and and and. I'm looking looking forward just to sit on the court and watch basketball, you know, with my own eyes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, like I said, I'm gonna, uh, you know, when, when we get back to that point, the the Martin Gortat tribute video, I, we, we, we'll, we will we will work that out. That was a travesty that they didn't get that done the first time. Um, Martin, man, right. great seeing you. I'm glad glad to hear you're doing well, hanging there, and uh, you know, we'll, hopefully we'll get out of this soon. Of course. Thank you. Appreciate you, Ben. Thank you, guys.